ölümsüzdüler. Gittikçe yaşlanıyorlar, çirkinleşiyorlar ama ölmüyorlar. İşte gerçek bu. Sihirbazdanlık tek kanlı din olmasına rağmen mayalardan, asketlerden kalma ölümsüzlüğü bulma çabaları o zamanlar da devam ediyordu. O zamanki iktidarın ve gücün en kuvvetli dünya insanı sihirbazdır. Ölümsüzlüğüne sevensel güç katkı, ölümsüzlük en büyük güçtür. Sihirbaz... Başardın! fans and moof milkers everywhere and welcome to the 21st episode of blast points now this week i am happy to say i'm joined once again with our blast points investigative reporter brad toriano brad how you doing i'm doing great jason thanks for having me back oh of course of course i think the last time you were here it was way back in episode nine with the secret history of the donnie and marie star wars special which I still think about daily, the Chris Christopherson. I know. He haunts my dreams, man. Sometimes <laughs> I just wake up and I think I see him in the corner for a second. <laughs> With uh, Obi-Wan Red Fox's head floating in the sky giving advice. The Force can't touch me. I come from a distant planet, 10 million light years away. Uh, shorter if the lights are with you. <laughs> so, so Brad, what what investigative report uh, have you brought us today? Well, uh, Jason, as you know, I was in Europe recently, and uh, I, I did some heavy investigation while I was there, and uh, I've come back with uh, an interesting conversation piece: the man who saved the world, otherwise known as known as Turkish Star Wars. Yes, you are correct, sir. So let's. Let's back up. Now, Star Wars comes out in 1977. Huge hit. Tons of other movie studios all around the world say, we need, we need a Star Wars. We want a Star Wars. We're going to try and make a Star Wars. And out come all these uh, Star Wars ripoff films, basically. You might be the best person to ask. What was really the first Star Wars ripoff film? That's a good question. I always thought maybe Battlestar Galactica, if that counts, was the first one that I was aware of. That'd be like 78, right? Yeah, and the Battlestar Galactica pilot was played in theaters, I believe, in Europe. Nice. Now, some of our European listeners probably have good, good memories of that. But, I mean, there was Battle Beyond the Stars. What was that, 70, what, 80 or 79 or 80? That, I think that's 80. Okay. There's a lot of Star Wars ripoff movies. For a while, I was trying to watch all of them, and I feel like I kept finding more and more. I mean, there's 
you know, there's there's horrible stuff like Star Odyssey, which is completely unwatchable, or Space Raiders. Um, but then there's stuff I would say is fantastic, like Star Crash and uh, Star Chaser. Um, the humanoid. Humanoid. Some people would even say the Black Hole is a Star Wars ripoff. Star Crash is the best one. For my money, Star Crash all day, every day. I want to do in the future, and there probably will be, an entire Blast Points episode dedicated to Star Crash. Because if you're unfamiliar with Star Crash, it's an absolutely amazing Star Wars ripoff film. It's Italian, and it features uh, David Hasselhoff with a lightsaber. So. From a vast and distant galaxy, a space adventure like no other. Star Crash. Okay, get ready. Here they come. An epic struggle between the forces of good and evil. Starring David Hasselhoff, Marjo Gortner, and Carolyn Monroe as Stella Starr, the most beautiful pilot in the galaxy, Star Crash. Joe Spinell as the Italian Darth Vader. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. Beautiful movie. So... we are talking about Turkey today. Yeah, we are talking about Turkish Star Wars. Where Turkish Star Wars, you could officially call that a Star Wars ripoff. But it's in, it really is in its own league away from all the other Star Wars ripoffs. It's, it takes it to a completely different level. I've tried to watch Turkish Star Wars, aka The Man Who Saved the World, dozens of times in my life. And in those times... I don't think I've ever been able to understand what the heck is going on. And I've always been eternally curious how in the world it happened. Because Turkish Star Wars begins, for folks who haven't seen it, it begins with just footage from 1977 Star Wars with absolutely insane narration going on over it that makes zero sense. Bize bu yaraşır. Uzay hızını aşmalıyız. Gelenleri karşılamaya hazır ol. Bu gelenler çok süratsız. And it looks great too. Yeah. It is like so like the the footage they have is clearly anamorphic footage like for people who don't know like widescreen and they shot it in what they call academy format, which for lack of a better term is like more like a, a four by three image or more of a uh, almost square like. And so everything's all squished, like everything's just tall yeah. <laughs> and unusually tall, like the Death Star is like a death egg almost. It reminds me of how like when we were younger and they would show like a widescreen movie on TV. And before, like, the end credits would come on, everything would just get, like, and usually in, like, the very last scene, suddenly everything would just get squished. Because they would take the widescreen and just squish it to, like, a TV size, you know? Oh, man. I have the fondest memories of that. Especially, like, like old James Bond films because they were so widescreen. And then yeah. suddenly everyone would just grow, like, three feet taller in the last second. <laughs> It starts out with some amazing-looking footage from Star Wars 97 at A New Hope. But, but even before all that, what? how could—where did this come from? Where was Turkish filmmaking 
during this time, what year did this movie get made? Like, what what's the history behind all this? Okay, so best I can tell, because things are a little muddy when it comes to the Turkish film industry. Um, you know, not a lot is is has was brought over here, so I'm, this is the best I've got. But essentially, Turkish filmmaking for years and years was just kind of this very secondary art form in Turkey. Not a lot of films were made. But at some point in the 60s, like a lot of just kind of wild, money, crazy businessmen saw that other countries were making uh, films and making a lot of money off of it. And they managed to kind of start their own version of Hollywood, which... And I, I really apologize if I don't say this right, but I think Yezilcom might be how you say it. It was basically like their version of, of Hollywood. Okay. And that suddenly got all these Istanbul artists and, and actors and directors all together to start making uh, what they called Turkish pop cinema, which was all basically action and superhero films for like, easily 15 years just tons of these really over-the-top fast-paced action films and what made them really unique is that they were super rowdy like definitely people using real weapons and fights that bordered on being real like ecw wrestling kind of real where (laughs) they're they're teaming up to make a movie but it's pretty violent and clearly people are getting hurt yeah, it's like um, you're watching it and you're like, is that is that real blood? Is that totally? Yeah, totally. I mean, they're all like these weird. It's funny because I've seen a lot of them. There's there's all sorts of these films, and they're all basically like kung fu westerns when you boil it all down. They're like they all ride horses and they do karate when they fight, <laughs> no matter what kind of movie it is. Um, but then like, well, so what happened to the Turkish film industry is that. TV came along, and in that country, culturally, TV essentially replaced film for younger generations. So they started making two different kinds of movies. They would either make smut movies just to try and get adults to come in to see something that you don't see on TV, Mm -hmm. and they would make these really outlandish remakes of films that were big in Hollywood. So there's like, just to run it down real quick, there's Turkish Rocky, Turkish Star Trek, Turkish Rambo, um, Turkish Exorcist, which is amazing if you haven't seen that. There's even uh, Turkish I Spit on Your Grave, which if you're... (laughs) No. That's a pretty obscure one for Turkey to rip off, but they went for it and it exists. And it has a musical number in the middle of it too. (laughs) Naturally, right? So towards the end of this trend, this director named, uh, I think it's Chetin, Chetin Anank, I think is how you pronounce it. He was not a very respected director in Turkey, but he was efficient. He made lots and lots of movies in his time. He basically got a film print of Star Wars that was going around. He got this actor who is incredibly popular in Turkey named uh, Junate Arkin. Okay. And they wrote a movie based around some of the footage 
spliced the footage right out of the print that they had come across, sent the print on its merry way. Somewhere out there in Europe, there's a print of Star Wars missing all of the spaceship battles in it. (laughs) (laughs) And made this crazy movie that uses all this real Star Wars footage, among lots of other things. Like, they borrowed... Because there was literally no copyright law in Turkey at the time. Whoa. So they borrowed all the music from pre-existing movies. There's footage from other movies in it, like, um, oh, what is the... Burt I. Gordon, the old monster movie guy from, like, the 60s, mm-hmm. had, like, a dragon movie called The Magic Sword. Yeah, and yeah. There's, like, footage from The Magic Sword cut into that movie. The theme song of the movie is... The Raiders of the Lost Ark theme by John Williams. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, judging by all of that stuff added up, it probably came out in 80 or 81. Okay. the best I can tell. So it was actually a little behind the Star Wars ripoff trend, too. What's really interesting about Turkish Star Wars that, like, it's hard for us to understand culturally is that even though there was access to Hollywood films in Turkey— there was a belief that like things should be homemade and you should celebrate art that was made in your own country. So there was support for these types of films, but they were so obviously lower than everything that was being imported into Turkey that a film like Turkish Star Wars, while I think it's, it's very beloved by a generation of people from Turkey... It was also seen by another generation as like an embarrassment. Like, Mm. why would you watch this when you could go see, you know, Empire Strikes Back? Which was, you know, clearly the whole movie looks good, not just occasional space scenes, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Even at the time, even when it was released, it was very complicated in Turkey. Like, not everyone loved that someone went out and made this crazy mashup film with Turkish actors and American special effects footage. So people, yeah, that's always kind of fascinated me. So people were aware when it came out of, hey, wait, this isn't quite right. This isn't, this isn't a quality production here. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no question. Because <laughs> they could compare it. I mean, that was the weird, the lovable thing about that movie. But also the weird thing is like, they had to know people had already seen Star Wars. Yeah, like people had to have been thinking, why is this footage in here? And also, why is there music from Indiana Jones playing all of a sudden? This guy with rocks tied to his legs that explode jumping around. is like Turkish I always I when I first saw that film I used to I used to call them Turkish Luke and Turkish Han. Yeah. But the film stars the uh, Junaid Arkin as this character named Murat 
which I think is Turkish Han, if I really had to like see where the influence came from. But that dude in real life was like amazing as a person. He was a, he was in like 250 movies, um, actor, director, writer, producer. So he, I think he came out of the circus initially. He was a self-taught stunt horse rider. Okay. So in all his films, he's always doing weird stunts on horses, like flipping around on his horses and like jumping off and jumping back onto his horses, even though it doesn't make any sense. But he, probably the best comparison is like in Turkey, if like John Wayne and Bruce Lee were kind of the same dude and that dude was like a 40-ish something guy with like a pot belly. <laughs> That would be Junaid Arkin. And apparently he's still, like, beloved there. Like, he's been in tons more movies since then. And he's just great in the movie. He's always, like, jumping off of, like, trampolines that are, like, just out of frame. He, like, like you were just saying he's, like, got rocks tied to his legs and he's karate chopping rocks. And somehow he can kill monsters but they don't really show it because it's too complicated for their filmmaking to actually show what he's doing he can do amazing kicks like almost like super high kicks like like the most famous poster is like him doing like this crazy like high kick amazing high kick the ricky steamboat of that era (laughs) Um, the other guy that's in it was also a pretty sweet turkish actor though is i think again i apologize if i'm not saying this right his name was Itekin Akaya. Okay. Itekin Akaya, I think is right. His character, Ali, is kind of the Turkish Luke. Um, and kind of like Turkish Starbuck, too. If, you know, if they had seen Battlestar Galactica, it is a little more like Starbuck than Luke Skywalker. Okay. Um, but he used to star in movies with Arkin all the time. And even starred in this crazy movie, which I think is called Three Dev Adam. I may not be saying that right, but it's essentially a movie made in Turkey where El Santo, Captain America, and Spider-Man all team up to fight villains. (laughs) (laughs) It was the first screen appearance of Spider-Man. Wow. Any other live-action Spider-Man movie is this Turkish (laughs) re-Dev Adam film. Oh, I know. Turkey's wild, man. Turkey's got a lot of good stuff. So, uh, do do you feel feel like you have a grasp on what this movie is about? Kind of. Well, so, what's great about this movie is, I think the first four or five times I saw this film, with, with no subtitles. Oh my god. Yeah. So I just knew, I just was like, stuff's happening. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy because it's pretty watchable. Like it's, it is one of the fastest paced films you'll ever see. Wild fight scene followed by him going literally to like the Maz Eisley Cantina and then taking home some Turkish babe from the bar and a wizard keeps coming after him. But what I think, if I had to really nail it down, and I've watched it with subtitles and everything, I'm pretty sure that the two dudes, Turkish Luke, Turkish Han, their spaceship crashes on a planet where a wizard 
is going to try and destroy Earth. Okay. But uh, I think this shield of brains or brain molecules or something, yeah, if you trust the subtitles. There's like a gold brain. Yes. That is, and I think when they show it, they just show footage of the Death Star, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's, there's, there's a shot of a gold brain, and then they immediately cut to the Death Star, and then back to the gold brain. And I, I was, it's very confusing. Yes. That apparently is the thing that keeps him from getting to Earth, but when Han and Luke are there, he, I think he thinks he can take one of their brains, and that is the key to getting past the shield of golden brains. (laughs) (laughs) What? Somehow there's some men and children on this planet, and dude, wizard dude is turning people into zombies, and Muppets. Yeah. And wait, what are the alien people in the red furry suits? M- Muppets. Those are the Muppets. I don't know what else to call that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, mo- I mean, they're monsters. I don't think the film does anything better than like, a, you know, Murad at one point's just like, look, there's monsters. And that's about <laughs> all you get. There, there's a magic sword too that may or may not be made of cardboard. Yes, it's shaped like a lightning bolt, and he finds it in a cave that's being defended by ninjas. Naturally, and and those are the weakest dudes for protecting a sword because most of the fights in this film last a long time. Like he has drag out fights with most of these guys, but the ninjas he takes out like nothing. <laughs> They're not a problem for him. And, like, somehow, though, the sword isn't that big of a deal. Like, it doesn't seem to come in very handy later. Well, he's got, like, a like a metal arm, too. Yeah, that's right. And he, like, karate chops the Darth Vader wizard in, in half. With yes, his, that is what happens. With, yes. his, with his magic hand. With his metal magic hand. This is outrageous. It's outrageous. This is outrageous. And in this film, weirdly enough, like Turkish Luke or Turkish Starbuck, however you want to look at him, is killed. Yes. Like Turkish Darth Vader or the wizard or however you want to call that dude, he definitely straight up kills Luke in a super weird, unexpected scene. But that gives Turkish Han or Murat or whatever the power to karate chop him in half because he's so grief stricken, you know? All while he's wearing a satin jacket, too. Oh, because he melt doesn't he melt the sword and the brain and makes them into gloves? There you go. That is right in boots, because that's why he starts jumping super high, is because he's got gold brain boots. The gold brain boots and the gold the gold brain glove. I don't know if people are fascinated by this right now or we've driven everyone away from your podcast. <laughs> you know, I think we're doing the world a favor because we're explaining to the best of our ability Turkish Star Wars. Well, what's great now, Jason, is like, so I bought a bootleg way back in the early 2000s of this film. Oh, yeah. That doesn't look great. And there's a pretty good, for this movie, I should say, it's definitely not the Criterion cut, but a pretty (laughs) good 
version of it with subtitles on YouTube that's really easy to access. All you have to type is Turkish Star Wars. And that's part of the interesting part of this, too, is that those films, like everything I just mentioned to you from Turkish Star Wars to Turkish Exorcist, mm-hmm. like even if they wanted to put that stuff out in America, very few film prints survived the death of the Turkish film industry or the death of that era of the Turkish film industry. There just wasn't the foresight that there could be some way to profit off of these films in the future. They were just really poorly preserved. Um, A lot of like Turkish television station cuts might be the only cuts that exist. Um, Almost all the print negatives were destroyed just to like extract the silver from them. I mean, the YouTube cut could be as good as it ever gets for our generation. I wonder how did uh, the man who saved the world, Turkish Star Wars, how did it for did it first start coming on the radar, like kind of in you know like in that mid nineties when every convention in the world when VHS bootlegs were a very common thing at uh, sci fi and comic cons. Is that when Turkish yeah, Star Wars first started to come I, on the radar? I definitely learned about it through the Fango convention, the Fangoria convention. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was even on my radar until I suddenly found myself in front of a booth that had several DVD copies of it. Because I knew about the holiday special, I knew about you know Donnie and Marie, some of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. But Turkish Star Wars was new to me and my group of friends when we discovered it, and I was the first dude to have a, a Blu-ray of it among my group, and like we watched it obsessively because it was, what do you make of that movie, you know? Right. But um, I think the Mondo Macabre guys can really be thanked for bringing awareness to it on a bigger scale on more than just like the underground bootleg scale. Um, for people who don't know, Mondo Macabre is like, it's a DVD and Blu-ray label, but they also produced a BBC show about kind of crazy movies of different kinds. Um, and they did an episode on Turkish pop cinema. And that really brought a lot of attention to, this kind of strange world that a lot of people didn't know about. Okay. Um, And in turn, they actually got their hands on some, I don't know if they got original negatives, but they've definitely put out a few Turkish films from that era. Um, Tarkan, which is kind of like Turkish Conan. Oh, there's one that's kind of like a remake of the Phantom Creeps that has a great looking robot. (laughs) High quality robot in it. Um, but I think those are the guys. I think if you could credit it to any one semi-mainstream source, as mainstream as Mondo Macabre is, it's yeah. them. You know, a lot of its reputation probably comes from the right people running across it, too. Yeah, they t- it could have been a, any of these Star Wars rebuff films that, that did it. I mean, for example, there's a Brazilian Star Wars, which is actually a lot more like Star Wars in a in a really basic way. It's essentially like what if Luke and Chewbacca went to Brazil. 
and then hang out with these super weird comedians is, who is, are mainly the stars of the movie. Is that the one where there's like a loot guy and a Chewbacca and they're riding around in the desert on a dune buggy? Yes. Oh, yeah. Agora, com a outra metade do computador cérebro, terei o domínio sobre essa galáxia. Peguem! And there's like, I think to simulate the idea that these were aliens, they shot scenes backwards. <laughs> yeah. So not only are they speaking Portuguese, but they're speaking Portuguese backwards. Yeah, but Tiger Star Wars is way more fun as a film than most of the ripoffs, though. And I think that's why, and beyond the super weirdness of seeing real Star Wars footage in it or hearing the Raiders of the Lost Ark theme every five minutes is like, it's also really entertaining. Like it's, it's almost like stumbling across someone's like homemade remake. Totally. Of Star Wars. And like what I like about Turkish Star Wars is that it takes itself and what it's doing extremely seriously. It's, yes. it is not tongue in cheek it is never seemingly aware to what us is so glaringly obvious that it's blatantly stealing from other movies. It's just like, no, we don't care. We're making a masterpiece here. And we're have, we're, and yes, our score is from John Williams, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it's just part of our masterpiece. Like it is. You know, it's just got that insane, different level logic to it. And it's completely serious in what it's doing. Yeah, exactly. And it's actually, so they made a sequel to it. No. 24 years later, 25 years later. But everything you just said is really interesting because the sequel, which I think translated as like Son of the Man Who Saved the World, it came out trying to capitalize on, on I want to say, all of the prequels had already been made at that point. Okay. And so it was just kind of trying to be like maybe capitalize whatever they could on whatever interest there was in the prequels. But it's it's terrible in all the wrong ways. It's, it's just a, kind of a disappointing comedy. Nothing stolen. Like, it would have been amazing if they like, edited in CG job of the, the hut into the sequel of yeah. Turkish star Wars. Right. Like, yeah. like go wild with it. Put Watto in there. Get nuts. Oh, totally. Like maybe <laughs> make one of the characters have a conversation with Watto. Yeah. That, but they don't, they would... just don't understand what made it popular. Yeah. Well, let's hope there's, um, Turkish star Wars, the force awakens, right. You know, let that happen. Yeah. It's Maybe time. the lessons learned, you know, they can look back and go, well, son of the man who saved the earth wasn't that great. Maybe we need to edit in some warped Force Awakens footage into our film. <laughs> just just tape it off a TV, like, and then record it another 20 times, and you'll have the quality just right. <laughs> Only use footage from the teaser trailers don't even take it from the movie 
You just have to make sense of these two second scenes. <laughs> just cut in. Bring back the gold brain. Bring back the lightning bolt sword. All of it. Well, I would say, like, if there's a takeaway from the Turkish Star Wars conversation, it's that this is really, like, this is unique beyond what people were doing in that era. Like, no one thought you could just steal footage from Star Wars and make your own movie with it in 1980. Like, nobody thought that. Except for these dudes who did it and made a really entertaining movie with it, you know? Yeah. And it's got all the hot jams from Raiders of the Lost Ark and <laughs> Flash Gordon and Planet of the Apes. Um, you know, it's it's it's really cool to see that for one moment in time you could get away with it. And yeah. if you like seeing Turkish stuntmen fall down hills after being karate chopped in the face, it's a great movie for that, too. If you're a fan of Rubber Mass, the cantina scene is absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, we could do a whole podcast about how the monsters look in this movie. <laughs> so yeah, go, just go on YouTube, type in Turkish Star Wars, sample it. Just sample it. Just have a taste. Just have a taste. Put your put your toe in the water. See how you feel. It, it may change your life. Jedi business. Go back to your drinks. All right, Brad. So I thank you so much for your uh, incredible research. That's no problem, man. And like I said, uh, I got to dive in deep and get some more droids info for you. Yeah, the droids cartoon coming soon. We're doing it, man. Ben Burton's baby right there. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Brad. Uh, Thank you for your investigative report. We will hear from you again very soon. All right. Thanks, Jason. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. It's overkill, Master. Investigation is implied in our mandate. Yeah, thank you, Brad, once again for your incredible investigation into the weird, weird world of Turkish Star Wars. So you're going to want to tune in next week because Gabe is back. Are you an angel? And we will be taking a look at the Clone Wars movie. We have some very interesting stories from our experiences with it to how it stands up now with the rest of the series, the entire era of Clone Wars... It's going to be a really good one, so you're going to want to look for that one next week. In the meantime, please leave us a review on iTunes. Head over to iTunes, let us know what you think of the show, and we will read your review on the next show. You can also check out Blast Points on Twitter. Just look us, look us up at uh, Blast underscore Points. Talk to us there. Let us know some ideas you have for the show, what you think of the show. Or anything Star Wars you just want to talk about, we're ready to go. Also, check out the Blast Points Facebook page so you never miss out on information about what the next show is or anything special we got going on. And we're also on Instagram. You can check us out there. And you can read some of my writings on Star Wars and my weekly recaps of Clone Wars episodes over at DoomRocket.com. So until next week... May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you.